Estate Hustlers podcast. I am your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we're joined with Brad Blazer. Brad is an expert in raising capital, a successful real estate investor, and recognized as author and podcaster. Recently knighted, he uses his platform for cancer awareness. Brad, we appreciate you coming on the show today. If you could just let everyone else know a little bit more about yourself. Thanks so much for having me today, Josh. It's always great to be on shows. I love adding value. Uh, you know, I've been raising money professionally now for over 35 years, and uh, I like to tell people $2 billion is an awfully big number, but you never get there doing it alone. And so I always remind people that that $2 billion was largely through my efforts and the efforts of teams I built. I've worked for some of the largest real estate groups in the United States today. These groups today manage billions and billions of dollars, but it all started for me when I was in my 20s. I uh, kind of turned my back to finishing school, put a shingle on the door that said I was the CEO of an oil company and I uh, started raising money, built a small team around me. We built that company up over 10 years to roughly 35 employees raising millions a month for drilling projects here in Texas and Oklahoma and also Louisiana. And then, uh, you know, as they say, the shit hit the fan, two major events affected the oil and gas industry in the early 90s. One was the changing tax laws in the Tax Reform Act of 87. And then second was just uh, collapsing energy prices. And so I went back to school, graduated with honors, came out into the world with a nice piece of paper that said you're a qualified college graduate looking for a job and uh, realized very quickly I was highly overqualified for a lot of the jobs I was interviewing for and realized like my number one skill, the thing I knew how to do better than anybody I'd ever met was race capital. And so I started aligning myself with professionals, people that were real estate syndicators, some of the world's leading financial services firms. And that obviously took me on this journey, really learning how to raise capital at all levels. And what sets me apart from some of the other quote experts out there that I'm sure your listeners listen to and follow is they've never done some of the things I've done. They can't teach you how to build distribution with broker dealers to go out and raise capital for your fund. They've never raised capital from sovereign wealth nations. Like I've raised 50 million just out of the state of Israel. So, you know, when people hire us as their coach mentor, we take them on that journey. So after you get real good at raising money from individuals, well, shit, let me show you now how to raise money from family offices. And once we show you how to do that, let me show you how to go overseas and start having conversations with the royal family in Dubai or opening doors to other countries because every country has what we call a sovereign wealth fund. It's the wealth of the nation. So uh, it's been an amazing journey. As you know, you said earlier, I was knighted last year based on honors and merit. I'm part of a royal order with other major celebs like Tony Braxton, Paula Abdul, you know, Ray Parker Jr., phenomenal people in business like Alex Stern, who sold this company, constant contact for over a billion dollars, professional athletes. Um, and it's just based on, you know, your accomplishments in life and basically just what you give back to the world. Oh, that's incredible. And, and, with you and, and what you're doing, you're, you're you're mentoring others that are that are coming up or wanting to come up in the real estate world or um or other other asset classes. But you're giving your experiences into a coaching format and helping others get to where they they want to go. And it's all about mentoring and at any capacity and and uh, the guidance from someone that's already been there and uh, having that wisdom ahead of you helps keep you from uh, making the the bigger mistakes along the way. Of course. Uh, yep. Can you share your experience with working with large real estate syndications or syndicators and then top financial service for firms? 
Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the, the firms I've worked with and some of your listeners might actually know of these groups, if not, certainly look them up. Uh, one of them is a group out of New York called Blue Rock. Uh, Blue Rock Real Estate was founded by a great gentleman. Uh, I love him to death, Ramin. Ramin actually was a former investment banker, worked at Lehman Brothers. And while he was working on Wall Street as a banker, he saw an opportunity. So he approached older people that were owners of delicatessens started buying them up. And out of that, he created what is today Einstein Bagels. So he was the founder of Einstein Bagels and then eventually sold that to a private equity firm and obviously came into a significant amount of wealth. And with all this newfound wealth, he's like, man, what do I do? And one of his roommates, when he was attending Wharton said, Ramin, you know, I work at Angelo Gordon, one of the preeminent, you know, real estate private equity groups. Why don't you take the money and invest alongside us? Out of that, he created a company called Blue Rock, and I was hired as his first director of capital markets. And what I did is I built out distribution for funds within the broker-dealer community. And so we sat back, and now everyday financial advisors were sharing funds with the clients whose wealth they managed. Uh, in the first year, we raised over $185 million. And so that positioned him, obviously, to continue growing, and today, uh, you know, he's at probably close to 20 billion, uh, one of his reach trades on the exchange. Uh, another group that I worked for was Waypoint Residential, uh, Scott Lawler, who at one point owned a company called Broadway Partners. He was kind of what I call the darling of Wall Street. I mean, this guy owned high rise office buildings in Chicago and, you know, New York and San Francisco and just blew up because of the debt crisis. And um, just realized I'd never again borrow money from uh, banks. And so he hired me, went to work for Scott, basically raising capital from RIAs and family offices. And today they have over 42,000 apartment units across the United States, one of the biggest owner operators of a multifamily. And so, you know, obviously when you work alongside guys like this that grow their businesses, not only are you paid well, you get to participate alongside them, much like co-GPs. And so, you know, every quarter, every month, I sit back and I've got all of this nice passive income coming in from these big operators that I've associated with over the course of my career. But I left doing that and focused on doing it for myself about three, four years ago. And I said, man, why am I raising hundreds of millions of dollars making all these other dudes rich? Let me start my own fund. And so uh, we started a company called Five Star Capital. Uh, myself and two partners, and our focus largely is on the multifamily space because I'm real bullish on housing. I think that multifamily is just going to continue to grow as it becomes more challenging for people to qualify for lending. I mean, mortgage rates now are pushing 7%. I read the other day that some mortgage companies are actually at that or above. So I think that you know the, the multifamily space, and more importantly, just buying single families, turning them into a rental portfolio, are really going to reward people tremendously financially over the next five to seven years. Uh, we're stockpiling cash, but it's really about teaching other people how to do these things. You know, I, I believe everybody has a big dream in life, Josh. That dream is to find financial independence. And unfortunately, we have all been brainwashed and we're exchanging our time for money. We call that having a job. And so by having a job and exchanging your time for money, what you're doing is you're helping somebody else live their dream. You ain't living yours. And the way to do that, obviously, as we know, is you know passive income, owning assets. Real estate is a great asset. Obviously, building an online digital business, which I also have, is another great asset. But it's really just importing this knowledge to people, showing them how to do it. 
But then ultimately it's the student that we coach a mentor that has to be intentional to take the action to see the change in their life. Wow. That's um, you've got your a wealth of information and the, uh, the passive income that you, that you're currently receiving from these other uh, deals that were helped put together essentially by you. Uh, that's because they, they, um, they needed your wisdom on, on the deal. They needed your, um, your fundamentals and mechanics to put the, uh, the capital stack together and help facilitate it. And another thing that you had said is that um, uh, you don't necessarily need to go to a bank. And a lot of people don't, don't even know that that's there's an other option out there is uh, the bank is the option and not that's just not the case banks you have to check every single box off or absolutely um, essentially they, they they pass up on the deal and these debt funds and um, and uh, just creative equity stacks there's a lot of opportunity out there to to make the deal happen and to for it to be a win win for everyone um, absolutely 100 you know the funny thing is I keep reminding people when you go to a bank they want to lend to people that have pretty good credit. It's pretty hard to walk into a bank and say, you know, hey, give me a couple hundred thousand dollars or give me a few million dollars to buy this if you've got a 580 or 620 credit score. Yeah. Investors don't really care about your credit. They're not going to pull your credit report. What they're looking at is you, the team, can you execute on the strategy? And I keep reminding people, when I launched my oil company and started raising millions of dollars, the funny thing is I had never drilled an oil well. I knew nothing about drilling an oil well. I never built and started a multi-million dollar business for hell. I quit college. I was a college dropout, but I built a team around me. And that's the key here. When we had Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington speak at my event CapitalCon uh, two years ago, along with some other major celebrities, the key word he said to that audience was write this down as a person raising capital or anybody in business. The word is execute. We as sharks on that show, look at that person and say, can that person execute on this idea or that strategy? If the answer is no, or we don't have the perception they can, why in the heck would we invest our hard-earned money? And so a lot of times people are starting businesses. They have this desire to raise capital and that's great, but you got to understand one thing. There's a big difference between being a solopreneur and being a entrepreneur and being an actual entrepreneur. If you're a solopreneur, build a team around you, get advisors so that when you're having a conversation with an investor, you can say, hey, Brad's raised over $2 billion. He's my advisor on how we're going to raise capital. Over here, I got Josh. Josh is a master fortune in real estate. He's a mentor of mine. Over here, I've got my title company. I've got my attorney. I've got my CPA. It's going to keep all the books and records. You're going to get your K-1 at the end of the year. See, now that investor's got much greater believability because now they look at you and they're like, wow, this dude's a real entrepreneur. He's got the team, his ability to execute on whatever it is they're trying to do is dramatically enhanced where if he just came to me and said, man, I'm a entrepreneur. I got this great vision. <laughs> Will you invest with me? Your chances of getting the guy to open their checkbook go way, way down. Yeah. And experience trumps all. It doesn't matter what's on your resume, what you've done and uh, how much schooling you've got. If you've got the experience, and, and you can prove that you've done it before or, um, or have the, uh, the wherewithal um, or the experience around you and you can execute that, that, that trumps all. I would take somebody, I would hire somebody on with experience with no schooling versus somebody who's went through uh, eight years of schooling all day long. They just, uh, they've been there, they've done it, they, um, they know what it looks like. Absolutely, um, you bet. And, and then it boils down to do what you say you're going to do. And that's whether you're, you're working for someone else right now, getting the experience just do what you say you're going to do and be who you say you are. And, and that'll, that'll eventually pay off at, at all capacity. I think mm -hmm. that's one thing that we're all up, up against right now is um, 
trying to find good people that that can truly do what they say they can do and and be who they say they are. It's uh, different times with uh, out there with with uh, people and uh, finding good help. Um, the uh, could you give us give the uh, the listeners a um, a nugget? What are some easy ways to raise capital? Well, you know, I'll tell you the the one thing that I'll share, which is what not to do. Uh, because we see all the mistakes that everybody makes trying to go out there is probably the biggest mistake I see when people call me and they're really struggling or they say, hey, man, I've been trying to raise capital. It's just not working for me. You know, I'm kind of like that mad scientist. I say, well, Josh, tell me what you're doing, man. Like, let's walk through this. And usually I'm able to identify very quickly some of the things that people are doing that are some of the big red flags or what I call the big mistakes. Uh, the first thing is you have to understand very few people, unless you have a pre-existing relationship, a friend, a family member, uh, are gonna invest with you until you do two things. One is you gotta build trust. And number two is you gotta develop a relationship. Investing is really all about relationships. The people gotta like you, they gotta trust you, they gotta know you, they gotta understand your values, they gotta think that you're gonna become a fiduciary, treat their money as if it was uh, your own. So how do you do that? There's a wonderful book that I refer people to that you can buy on Amazon written by an author by the name of Philippe DeConer, but I talk about it. It's one of the key fundamental pillars in my whole coaching platform, um, and it's called the trust sequence. Believe it or not, there are six steps to build trust with another person. It all starts with number one, perception. So it's that first 30 to 45 seconds when you meet somebody or you call them, they're sizing you up and they're largely deciding whether there's ever going to be a second date. But the biggest mistake I see people make in real estate is they have a deal or they have a fund. But, you know, if they got a deal, they're now under contract, click, uh, the, the clock is ticking. And so they meet someone that has money and on that first or second conversation, they pitch. They pitch the deal. They talk about, man, we got this great property. It's under contract, blah, blah, blah. And out of respect for the other person, that investor is going to look at you and say, Josh, man, this sounds real interesting. Do you have something you can send me that I can take a look at? And so you do that thinking there's interest. But when you try to close them, the person never opens up a checkbook. And it can be the best deal you've ever done. But what they're subliminally saying to you and what they're implying is, I just do not know you well enough to open my checkbook. There's just not enough trust because you haven't invested enough time in this relationship. So what I explain to people is, man, this is not a sprint. It is a marathon. You got to slow down the process. And just like Jordan Belfort talks about something he calls the straight line method, or what I talk about my four-step blueprint is think of it as four steps, moving people forward in a process with you. The first is an introductory call, getting to know the person. And constantly saying throughout the conversation, Josh, right now, man, I just do not have an investment I can discuss with you today. And constantly be saying that because that creates scarcity. It's kind of the takeaway close. Uh, and then on the second call, you're just following up, man. And you're asking all of these probing questions. The SEC says, KYC, got to know your client. Is it a suitable investment? So I really get to know my clients real well. And at the end of the second call, I use something that I perfected over many years. I call it the validation phrase. You ask one question that validates that person, trusts you enough to move forward to the next step in the process with you. And once they say yes, or please do that, you're now teeing yourself up for the third call, which is the pitch. And then hopefully the fourth and the fifth call, which is just answering questions, getting a commitment and bringing on a new investor. 
So the biggest thing I would give people as a golden nugget, man, is do not try to pitch people on the first or second meeting or call. Just get to know them, build that trust, build that relationship, because that person probably can invest. And the reason they're not is just they have no trust for you. Uh, the second thing is the biggest problem people have is what I call lead gen. Just having people to talk to. You know, most people don't live in a country club like I do, so they don't have access to that list or they don't have access to the directory. A lot of people obviously just don't have those relationships. And so I'm always asked, like, how do I create the activity so that each and every week I'm having conversations with 30, 40, 50 or more people that all got money? The way to do that, man, is either using social media, which we can help you with. We have a marketing agency that will design the funnel take all the leads, dump them into a CRM, build an email campaign. We do all that turnkey for business owners and entrepreneurs. That way as a capital raiser, you have like hundreds of people a month coming into that funnel that you can now be talking to. But the second is just become part of the investment groups and the investment clubs in the community that you live in. Every big city around the United States have meetings every month. And it doesn't matter whether they're talking about the stock market, they're talking about crypto, they're talking about real estate, just Google on Meetup or on Google. What are the local investment clubs in Chicago or what are the local investment clubs down here in Boca? And start attending those with regularity. Why? Because everybody there is an investor. And once they find out what you do and how you can add value or how you can help diversify their investment portfolio, now you start meeting with them over breakfast or over lunch or over coffee. And before you know it, boom, other people in that group start hearing about you as well. So that's just another quote, great way. But you know, when we mentor and we coach people, Josh, we don't talk about one or two ways to attract and raise capital. I literally give people dozens of different methods that I personally use, lifestyle events. We just did a charity golf event about two weeks ago with McCon Investments. We had over 60 people show up. They loved it. Yeah. I think it's the, um, the, the mentality. You almost have to have a deal to have an investor, but you have to have the investors to have to make the deal happen. It's you've, it's a balance. You have to have one to have <laughs> the, the other. Chicken, chicken and the egg. You chicken, know? chicken and the egg. And it's um, it, you're scheduling calls with investors, but you don't have an investment to talk about, or you've exactly. got an investment, but you've got a, it, it's, uh, there, there's a balance, but um, your approach has been, is obviously proven and you've got a, uh, you've got the recipe uh, down to where it's, uh, it makes sense. So it's, um, as far as just nurturing the relationships and keeping them at bay so that when that deal does come, you're ready to ready to go and your investors are ready to take the journey with you. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. 100%. You know, you need to be in capital raising mode 365 days a year. You got to keep people warm. You got to be dripping on them. You got to be touching them. Uh, and sometimes that's why people gravitate towards having a fund because if you're raising money on a specific identified asset and you close, you may not have another deal that you're raising money on for 30, 60 days, you know, you're between deals. So what do you do? Well, you're not really talking to investors because you don't have a deal to put them into. But if you have a fund, now the fund is the story. That essentially is the deal. You know, you now have something to talk about 365 days a year. Hey, you know, we're a fund manager. We got a real estate fund got an 8% PREF, you're going to get a distribution every quarter. The fund is going to invest in properties just like this or very similar to this. So you got diversification. And on the back end, we give you 70% of all of the appreciation. We're predicting somewhere between a, you know, 18 and a 22% IRR with a two and a half X multiple. How does that sound? Great. And before you know it, they're writing a check. That just goes into the fund's account. Now, when you have a deal, you hopefully have enough money to close fairly quickly 
you can show proof of funds to the seller. And a lot of times sellers will give you a concession off the asking price. Why? Because there's certainty of closing the transaction. If I was a seller and I had multiple offers and that broker came to me and said, this guy's got to go out and raise the money. He may or may not be able to do that. This other guy over here is 2 million below, but he's got the money in the bank and he can close in 10 days. Who in the hell do you think I'm going to go with? I'll go with that low offer because there's proof of funds and there's certainty of closing your transaction. If I'm greedy and I go with a higher offer and he's not able to raise the money, then I got to relist it or I'm back in the market. I'm wasting my time. So, you know, cash is king in any business, including real estate game. And certainty is, is everything. And funds have will always have the upper hand advantage. I mean, that is that is absolute. And and they can execute on a deal quick, fast, and swiftly in, versus the, uh, the, the this whole due diligence period, the what ifs, this and that on a um, on a regular syndication. I love the fund concept. Love it. And you've got to you you've you've got to have your components in order to to open your fund and and um, of course make sure that uh, that you can uh, have the investors to go into it. But being able to get those great deals, um, the, the funds have the advantage for sure. Absolutely, I'll tell you. You know, as a person listening, if you're on the sidelines there, uh, starting and launching a fund is really not as challenging or as difficult as you may think it is. People always say, well, geez, you know, like on my first apartment, like if I have 80 apartments, how in the hell am I going to manage all of those checks and all of the people that are late and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, that's what you hire a property management company to do for you. They're the experts. You just sit back as the owner. You get the net rental income at the end of the month. They collect the rents. They deal with the evictions. They're going to take care of all the landscaping. People are going to call them and bug them when there's problems with the toilets and the HVAC. You just you know pay them to do the job, and uh, you look kind of over their shoulder to make sure they're doing a good job. But you're not dealing with what I call those headaches. And on the other side, which is basically the reporting to investors, you know, quarterly newsletter, just updating people on what's going on with the properties. You know, hey, we're doing this on this property. We're making some changes on this property. And then your CPA, your bookkeeper is going to take care of the K ones at the end of the year. And there are actually many portals as we know, that will white label a great investor portal for your clients. Things like Syndication Pro, CrowdStreet, you know, Juniper Square App Folio, all of these different portals that many of our students use as that back engine tool to provide that good experience for their investors. That's how you transition to become a fund manager. It's not really as challenging uh, or as difficult as you may think this. I mean, heck, at the age of 23, 24, can be raising millions and launching oil and gas funds. I guarantee that you guys can easily be doing it too. And a, uh, the funds, they have a blended return across all assets. Is that correct? Well, yeah, the return that's generated is going to obviously be derived from the portfolio. So, you know, if you're raising $25 million in equity, realize that that gives you the ability to go out into the world and pay. 100, 125 million because you're borrowing the other 80%. That's the debt. Um, and so you can tell investors the intent of the fund is to ultimately own four to six uh, properties in different locations. And so your return is now spread out over a portfolio. Um, and the great thing about it is we know some properties will outperform the others. Uh, there's diversification. So you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you know, and for a lot of people, that's a big concern. I remember many years ago when I was much younger. Uh, you know, I invested almost $50,000 with, at the time, the largest syndicator and owner of apartment communities in the United States, Craig Hall. And, uh, you know, he got caught up, obviously, in the changing tax laws in the late 80s, blah, blah, blah. A lot of his deals went into foreclosure. 
Uh, he relinquished all of his back-end interest, tried to be a fiduciary and said, man, I'm giving it all up. I'm going to try to make you all whole. That didn't even work out. Basically had to close the doors. And, uh, you know, that entire investment for me was lost. It was a hard pill to swallow because back then what they were doing is offering two to one write-offs. The tax structure was very different. You invest 55, you're going to be able to write off 110 but if the investment doesn't work out, guess what? You got to pay taxes on what they call phantom income. That means you're paying taxes on money you never earned. That hurts. So I learned a real hard lesson the hard way, and it was a tough pill to swallow. That's why when I go out and invest, I like the diversification. I tell people the advantage of a fund is diversification. You know, we all know sometimes bad things happen to good people. All the best underwriting you can do get thrown out of the window for what? A hurricane, a tornado, a yeah. flood. Uh, something that you didn't see underground, like environmental hazards. And before you know it, man, you got to vacate a third of your property because it flooded. Now your income drops. All it takes is one bad apple, one disgruntled investor to file an arbitration or a lawsuit against you. And before you know it, man, now you're paying out you know, legal defense. I don't want those headaches and hassles. And so um, for us and for a lot of people, growing into that fund world uh, is the natural progression because for most investors, it is a much safer way to go. There's diversification in having your investment distributed over now multiple uh, properties. I love it. That's uh, that's perfect. Uh, how, how would we gain confidence when we're trying to raise capital or get it, or, or would like to step in raising capital? What's, what's, how can we boost our own confidence? Um, I'll be real honest with you guys. Um, attitude is everything. Uh, you know, what I learned at a very young age is you got to talk to high net worth individuals, people of wealth as an equal. And I think one of the big struggles for a lot of people is, you know, the person you're talking to might be worth 20, 50 million dollars. They live in the big mansion, you know, they drive the Rolls Royce and, you know, here you are just getting started and you're kind of like coming across speaking out of desperation. So there's a sense of desperation in your voice. You cannot have that attitude, man. The attitude you got to take is, man, I do this each and every day. Like some will, some won't, so what? There's always going to be someone else for me to be talking to. And it's really, you know, using body language, having just a lot of confidence and a, a lot of positive tonality uh, in how you come across firm handshake, dressing well. But it's also asking for the commitment. You know, the problem a lot of people have is they go out in the world, they have conversations with people and they have missing systems and structure. One thing every capital raiser needs is a good CRM system. If you don't have something where you're tracking your conversations or your meetings with individuals that you know, you're talking to as potential investors, you're just wasting your time. You're on this treadmill with nothing leading you to productivity. Because if you have a conversation with someone with money and you don't create a task or reminder in that CRM to follow up with that person eight to 10 days later, that opportunity is going to fall through the cracks. You're going to wake up like 60 days ago. Holy shit, I forgot to call that dude back. He told me he had just sold his business. He was sitting on millions of dollars. Now it's probably too late. And if it's not, you call him back. He says, Wayne, I never heard from you. I put my money someone else. So you got to have the systems and structures. The second thing, it's just the confidence. I remember when I was 25 years old, I was talking to a very wealthy doctor. Uh, you know, the guy was worth millions, flew down to Texas on his private jet, liked everything he saw, just would not invest. I don't know what it was. And I think it was the apprehension because he knew that the risk was to drill a dry hole. You lose everything. And one day as a 25 year old, I just said, Dr. Schnackman, it just takes two things to invest in an oil well. And he said, what? 
I said, big balls and lots of money. Which of the two don't you have? <laughs> and after what seemed like an eternity, he came back and his response was, tell me again how much three units in your program cost. But I said, each unit's $50,000. That's $150,000 today. Is that something you're comfortable with? He's like, yeah, I think I can do that. Great. Go get your checkbook. Let's fill out the subscription agreements. And he became one of my biggest and best investors ever. But most 25-year-old kids would not have the confidence to say something like that to someone that, you know, probably worth 10, 15, 20 million dollars. But sometimes you got to bring closure to the process. The word close means to help people reach a decision. You know, the word decide means to kill off. If you look it up in the dictionary, that's why we have things like pesticides, insecticides, because the definition of decide is to kill off. And what you're helping that person do is kill off the indecision and helping them move forward in this process with you. And if the person's just unwavering, or around the fence, just say, look, you know, hey, Josh, it's not going to hurt my feelings, man, if you're not ready to do this. But I could be spending my time with people that are. So it's either time to tell me that we're going to move forward, fill out the subscription documents, and get you on board and get you passive income, or I wish you well. We're always going to be here for you when the time is right. But I got to spend my time with somebody else today. Before yeah. you know it, they're, they're like, no, 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 don't go yet. <laughs> I'm in. It's the old takeaway close, but you got to understand some of the psychology that people use in selling. And there's a big difference in the world of sales between closers and salespeople. Salespeople are real good at what I call selling flirt. Closers, man, they're like rhinoceroses. They're like the bulldogs. They're the ones that know how to close, have all the one-liners like, man, we can't help you until you commit. But once you commit, we ain't gonna let you help you fail. And so we teach this to our sales team as well, but it's largely attitude. The people that I've talked to that have raised the most in our program or just that I've met, they've got the positive attitude and they go into every relationship as if that person's going to invest. It's a very assumptive sale when you're talking to somebody because the assumption is, man, we got a great thing here for it. We got a, we got a diamond in the rough. You want it? Great. Let's talk. If not, I'm going to go spend my time with somebody else that has expressed interest. Yeah. And that's the entrepreneur in itself, the sense of urgency is real. And you want to know who's coming with you as soon as possible. I don't want to waste your time or my time. Let's get either we're coming or we're going, but you got to know who's coming with you. And it's the sense of urgency that gets the speed of the things to the speed of the market. You've got to get it out there and get it in front of others to generate the revenue. It's just a, it's a baked in sense of urgency. And some people will just will kick tires down the road and Ultimately, it might lead to an uncomfortable conversation, but in your case, it it made him prove to himself that that he needed to move forward with you because you put it on the table. It's either we're 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 coming or we're going. Absolutely, yeah, it's huge. Um, how do you balance your roles, real estate investor, author, mentor, philanthropist? How do you balance everything? <laughs> uh, it's tough, man. You know, uh, it really is. Um, I think a lot of it is just. Um, you know, being real intentional in kind of what I want out of life and um, really kind of balancing life. Um, you know, a lot of your listeners may have read the book, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, Stephen Covey. Um, I've got some coaches and uh, coaches have done a great job of just teaching me and imparting their knowledge uh, into me. But uh, my good friend, Coach Michael Burt, who's kind of a Covey disciple, talks about this thing called the whole person theory. And he says, we as people are made up of four things. You got a mind, body, spirit, and soul. And so I really took that to heart and I realized, man, what good is it to have all this money if I've got like one foot in the ground and I'm carrying around an extra hundred pounds? Like if I don't have good health, how does that translate into other areas of my life? And so I've really focused on health, fitness, obviously, you know, running a successful business, real estate, uh, but it's just largely balanced. Uh, it's very 
good time blocking throughout the day, uh, you know, using a calendar and letting the people on my team know, you know, hey, in the morning it's team, in the afternoon it's doing podcast, this time of the day I'm coaching, et cetera. So we have a really, really good calendar system. But I think the other is realizing as an entrepreneur that you never reach a level of success you want to reach by yourself. You know, I talk about hiring capable people. I've uh, written a book called Put Some Thrive in Your Hive. It's really for business owners, managers, entrepreneurs, how to create that culture of success, how to delegate, how to let your team really build that business for you. Because there's a big difference in working in your business and working on your business. And when you get to a point where you can somewhat remove yourself and know the business is going to be healthy and okay, now you can either start another business or be doing other things. And that's largely where I am today is I have the ability to do that because I have other coaches, I have appointment schedulers, I have other people on the team that are handling the social media, the digital content. And so by delegating and kind of building this engine around me, I'm able now to delegate and start focusing my attention and time in other areas. But it's tough, man. You know, sometimes I'm at the office at eight and shit, I don't leave sometimes till seven, eight. And the reason is not that I don't want to, it's we got students we're coaching and mentoring in places like Australia, New Zealand, England. And so, you know, they're 17 hours ahead of us. So when I'm over here at six or seven, you know, it's 8.39 in the morning and we're having that conversation by Zoom. It's really just the dedication to our global audience because we've now built this company into a seven figure business that's now coaching and mentoring people all around the world today. Yeah. And it's not work. You're at seven or eight o'clock at the office. I love what I do. I mean, I mean, I don't need to be doing this, but I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm learning so much from other people. I'm getting included in deals that I never would uh, have heard of before. And uh, you know, what really is cool is we all watch Fox news or we all watch the news. We're just so focused on what's going here in the United States. Yeah. Man, I've got my finger on the pulse of what's going on in other countries. Like I'm learning about real estate in Australia. I'm learning about how people are building apartments and investing in real estate over in England, how they're doing things up in Canada, Brazil. We got two people coming to my boot camp from Puerto Rico. I got another dude coming from England again. But when all those people show up at my boot camps, man, it's like the United Nations because my <laughs> students are like, man, you got people that came from Australia. Like, dude, yeah. They come from Australia to be in the same room with Brad Blazer. Why? Because I'm known globally as an expert on teaching people how to do this, how to build their business and how to put in those systems and structures. And so people are just like, man, I can't believe like I'm here. And I was just expecting to have people from the U.S. You got people from Australia, from New Zealand, from the U.K., from Canada. But that's the beauty of uh, what we've created. And that's the beauty of the boot camps that we host throughout the year. Let's do a, a quick plug in. When is your next boot camp? Oh, man. Yeah. So the next boot camp uh, is June the 23rd and 24th in sunny South Florida. Uh, we're having another one of my great boot camps. Uh, it's going to be right there close to the beach. We have great networking. We always have a VIP happy hour, but it's June the 23rd, 24th in sunny Miami, Florida. You can find information on my website, bradblazar.com, B-L-A-Z-A-R. There is no ease in the spelling in my first or last name. It's Brad Blazar. But if you go to the top of my website, uh, you'll see the link there. That's for uh, what we call Mastermind or Bootcamp. And just click the link, sign up, get your ticket. It's only 597 bucks. But I guarantee it'll be the best 597 bucks you've ever invested in yourself. And here's why. Not only will you learn everything you need to know from A to Z over two days on how to launch funds, how to find investors, how to communicate to investors, everything you need to know about the regulatory environment. I bring major celebrities to the events, investors. 
The last event we did, my good friend James Dantley III from Chicago, guy's worth a couple hundred million dollars, owns JD3TV, also knighted like myself. We had four-time NBA All-Star, Hall of Famer, member of the U.S. Men's Olympic Team in the NBA, uh, Rolando Blackman. He was there talking about, this is how you work with professional athletes as investors. When you want to start working with some professional athletes, here's what you got to start doing. I had two-time Grammy award-winning musical artist, Billy Dorsey Jr. there talking about how he raised a couple hundred thousand dollars to launch an NFT project for the Salvation Army. I was the guy that raised that capital. And because of the success we're seeing with that, we've now been approached by the Miss USA pageant. So think of this. Sports Illustrated Bikini Issue meets a crypto space. We're going to be launching a Miss US NFT. How cool is that? So all of the beautiful ladies will have their own coins. There'll be a musical soundtrack. There'll be a whole documentary. And so, you know, when you're approached as an expert in your space by the Salvation Army and the Miss USA pageant to go out and raise the capital to make their vision of creating an NFT become reality, it just is a validation I think some people need to see to realize I'm going to hire this dude because I don't see any of these other experts being brought in on cool projects like that. Oh, that's phenomenal. And I'm definitely a proponent of um, of telling everyone to get in get in the room. Get in the room. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, the the getting in the room is the whole thing that so many people just do not understand, Josh. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Proximity is power. Uh, You know, Grant Cardone has a great expression, and that is people got to know you before they will flow you or money follows motion. But, you know, when you hire a coach, you got to realize you're not hiring him, you're hiring him and everybody in his network. You know, it's kind of like a mastermind. Uh, You know, I've been in a couple of masterminds. The connections are great. Today, I'm not. And the reason is that the people in my royal order are my mastermind. Those are the celebrities that I get to hang out with. But, you know, proximity is power. And I'll just share a powerful story. One of my students last year, well, it was actually the year before, called me and she was in tears. And I said, man, Tammy, like, what's going on here? And she was really fearful that she was going to have to file bankruptcy and close the doors on her business. Because her and her partner had built a ticketing platform, much like Eventbrite, much like Ticketmaster, and they were selling tickets. But their client base were all Major League Sporting events. So they were selling tickets for the NBA, Major League Baseball, the Summer Olympics. And throughout COVID, man, what do you think was happening? Like everything was getting canceled. So all of the ticket sales revenue had come to a screeching halt. People were asking for refunds. And so she literally thought, man, we're going to have to close the doors and file for bankruptcy. What she failed to realize was in my network was Matthew Knowles. Now, Matthew Knowles was the founder of a company called Music World Entertainment. Daughter happens to be Beyonce. Solange also handled the careers of people like Chaka Khan, Cool in the Gang. And he was bitching to me three days before that, that he had lost over $300,000 in revenue as a speaker because his events were canceled. All of the events I was supposed to be at were being canceled. I was supposed to be at a big mastermind war room as one of the speakers. So we were just bitching and moaning. And I said, Matthew, just like what's going on in the concert space, like Beyonce, all the musical acts. And I mean, all the concerts are being canceled. Like, how do they make payroll to the bands? He's like, oh, it's a big problem. And I said, I think I got a solution. Like, don't these big uh, bands or you know, like your daughter, you know, any, any big act, George Strait, you know, they probably have studios like in their home in the basement, right? Oh yeah. Beyonce's got a huge space manner. They have access to a studio where they record their albums. Well, why don't they just advertise their huge virtual concert to their fan base on Facebook and sell tickets to that and send everybody the posters, the t-shirts. So they arrive at their house the day before it's like, great idea. So we get on a call with my client. I'm like, Tanny, 
this happens to be Beyonce's dad you're talking. She's like, she's just like freaked out. Like what? I'm like, yeah, this happens to be Matt Knowles. He controls the careers for some of the biggest bands in the world. And we got an idea. Within a month, her client list was Shania Twain, Winona Judd, Sleep at the Wheel, Citizen Cope. She was handling the ticket sales for all of these musical artists to keep their bands alive throughout COVID. And she owes that to me for paying $3,000 to have me as her coach and have me in her life. But see, that's the power that you were saying. It's not just being in the right room. It's having the right person on your team. We're, we're tribal by nature. So we, 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 we gravitate towards people who we want to be around. And when you pay to get into these rooms, you're, you're separating yourself from the people who didn't pay. That's the biggest <laughs> piece. It's, it's, it, it gets out all the BS. You're, you're in proximity of people who have paid the same price and are going to continue to pay the price. And whether that price is um, you know, sacrifice or monetary or this or that is, is constant bringing up of yourself and personal development. Get in the right room with the people who you want to become and people who you want to you want to negotiate. And absolutely. Talk to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a big event uh, early June uh, out in Scottsdale, Arizona called Power Room. The, the guy that's behind that sold his company for over one point four billion. Uh, and I was just contacted today by my good friend, Jerry Conte. I'm becoming a founder on the new platform they're building as one of the coaches and one of the trainers is like, dude, come on out to Scottsdale. I, I know the, the host, I'll get you in there for free. And, uh, you know, I'd probably get you on a couple of the big stages. They have a huge event company called Aspire. And, uh, you know, once they get to know who you are and what you've done, man, you'll be speaking at their big events. I'm like, dude, I'm there. But it's again, it's, you know, paying for the airfare, getting the hotel, telling the wife and my daughter, hey, I'll be out in Arizona for two or three days at this big event. But again, it's the proximity to that network and all of the other people that I know will be there. Yeah. And you cannot replace a handshake and face-to-face. -face. Um, having that that personal energy right there in the same room with each other, now you've got a connection, a bond for uh, for really years to come yep. uh, and just staying in touch. Uh, amazing. Uh, incredible podcast, incredible talk, Brad. We we truly, truly, truly appreciate you coming on today. One more time, can you let everyone know how to get a hold of you? Uh, well, number one, of course, is just a website, you know, bradblazar.com. Uh, there is a contact page there. There's a phone number at the bottom. It's a toll-free number. Uh, the other easy way is just follow me on social media. On Instagram, it's just my first and last name. So please do me a favor, become a follower on Instagram. Like right now, get out your phone, <laughs> go to Instagram and follow me and just shoot me a DM there. Uh, same thing, of course, with Messenger. Uh, on all the social media platforms like Instagram, I got the blue check. Yes, there are some imposters out there that want to be a knight, want to be Sir Brad Blazer, but it ain't the real me. Look for the blue check. Uh, but just, you know, send me a DM or just, you know, reach out through the website. Uh, more importantly, come to the boot camp uh, June the 23rd, the 24th in Miami. Buy a ticket. Do it today. Get yourself in the right room. Like Josh said, man, it all starts there. The other thing I will also tell you is I do want to also make an offer. Uh, this book right here, you can find on Amazon, Winning at the Capital Game. Uh, this is my third book, uh, working on number four. I've shipped this book all around the world. We've sold like millions and millions of copies. On the back of the book, there's a personal endorsement of me and the book by Shark Pink's Kevin Harrington. Uh, but if you want to learn how to attract and raise capital, you know, and you're not willing to spend $24.95 on a book, or if you've seen my book funnel out there where I'll buy it for you for free, I'll sign it and I'll stick it in the mail and ship it out to you uh, where it's a free offer. But, uh, you know, get the damn book, man, because like, like we talked about on the show today, 
you got to change your mindset. You know, my good friend, Josh Maxwell, uh, John Maxwell, one of the most widely read authors on the planet, considered the top expert in leadership, uh, shared the stage with him last year. And uh, he was talking about this word that I wrote down. And the word was intentional. He said to have positive change in life and lead the life you want and desire, you have to be intentional about it. He said the biggest problem most people have is they just show up each and every day. And what they do is they take whatever life throws in their lap. And so you're dealing with all the problems and all the frustrations of just life being dumped in your lap rather than, quote, being intentional and creating the life you really deserve and more importantly, uh, aspire to uh, create. So if you're intentional, just like an airline pilot that has to pull back on the joystick to make the plane go up or a race car driver that has to push down on the accelerator to make the car go faster, you'll start seeing the change. It won't happen overnight. Nothing ever does, but it starts by taking action each and every day, whether it's a book, whether it's the boot camp, whether it's listening to more podcasts, but then it's the follow-up and what you do on the back end of these things to create that forward momentum. Just like raising capital, you got to pick up the phone, you got to make the calls, you got to have the meetings. People just think money's going to show up in a wheelbarrow at the front door. <laughs> it don't work that way. I spent years and years hustling, grinding, traveling to build my investor database. But today I have the ability to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars literally in the course of a couple of days. And uh, one more, the, the good deal does not bring the money. There's an adage out there. If you have a good deal, the money will come. That is yeah, not true no. at all. It's, <laughs> not true at all. Relationships are key. <laughs> yeah, the relationships. And like I talked about before, Josh, it's the execution. You got to show that person. I got a good deal, but I got the team. I put those two things together. That's where the magic happens. So, you know, if you're just an entrepreneur or, or you're a solopreneur, uh, if you have a deal, figure out how you can get the deal done, build that team around you, and then you have a much greater degree of success when it comes to actually going out in the world and attracting and raising that capital. But you can do it. I know you can. I mean, I've trained literally thousands of people all around the world how to do this. My top student last year did over hundreds of millions of dollars he raised, had a guy that raised over $6 million in just 60 days, started with me in January. In March, we were getting testimonials 60 days later. Hey, raise $6 million. So, you know, if they can do it, you can do it. The key is just getting knowledge and just getting started. Yep. I love it. Brad, we truly appreciate your time today. You will certainly be hearing from me. And uh, of course, I'm always about getting myself in the room too, personal development. And um, I encourage anyone listening to do the same. So, right. Brad, thanks for having me, Josh. It's been a great host and a great podcast. Glad to be here anytime. Thanks again. We'll talk soon.